0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Well, we are continuing our series called Forums Like Jesus, where we're talking about the early years of Jesus's ministry and life. And today we're going to talk about the first time that Jesus sent anybody out. Uh, in his name and in his authority when he sent the 12 disciples for the first time. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Uh, You can read off the screens, uh, on your phone, however you would like to do this. Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 is where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, And we're talking about being sent. And here's the thing. Uh, You are going to be sent by Jesus, Whether you know it or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is a reality. You're going to be sent. Maybe you've already been sent by Jesus. And so I want to talk about what we do when we're sent, how we know we're being sent, and that process that Jesus takes us through. Uh, And I even have a a guest who's going to tell us about their own process. So it should be a fun morning, okay? Uh, So let's read this. Matthew 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, and Philip. I'll pause there for a second. So all of these guys were uh, fishermen, which means that they were not very educated kind of lower of the, uh, the socioeconomic uh, spectrum. Uh, and the fact that they were already working with their fathers doing it meant that they had like officially walked away from all other educational opportunities. Uh, that's kind of how it worked. You didn't go work with your dad until everything else was finished up in their culture. So they had already walked away from everything. They, they knew what the rest of their life was going to look like. And then Jesus shows up and changes it. So the next person, Bartholomew, you may remember him as Nathaniel. Uh, Sometimes in the Bible, we have two or three different names that get thrown out at us, which makes it a little confusing. Uh, But Bartholomew or Nathaniel is uh, completely opposite end of the spectrum. So you wouldn't necessarily know this, but he was born of royal or noble blood, which meant he was probably really educated, uh, very wealthy, opposite end of the spectrum from the first five that we're told about here. Many of these first five or six were also disciples of John the Baptist, which tells you a little bit of something about how uh, quirky they were in the ways that they tried to follow God, right? If you're following a dude who lives in the desert and eats uh, honey and bugs, then uh, you might be a little strange, you know? Not, not throwing any shade at him, but, you know, it just might be a little strange. Uh, Thomas. Then there's Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, tax collectors are typically, in their culture, Jewish people who worked for the Roman Empire, which means they're sellouts. They're crooks because they would take extra to make their own. And they're liars. They're, nobody likes them. So you throw a tax collector into this crew, and it's going to get awkward real fast. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Thaddeus is another multi-named person. He's the other Judas. These are another set of brothers who are followers of Jesus. And then there's Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. What a list of followers. These last two are both considered zealots. uh, And that means that they were Jewish nationalists, whose number one priority was to see the Jew people freed from uh, the Roman Empire, from the oppression of the Romans, and they didn't care how it happened as long as it happened. Uh, Violence, if necessary, and if bodily harm comes to them, fine, so long as it gets to what it is that they feel like needs to be the end result. So think about these 12 guys all together in a room. It's going to be super uncomfortable to be around these guys. They're too violent. They're too uneducated. They're too greedy. They're not going to like each other, like the zealots and a tax collector in the same room. That's a bad storyline. There's no joke in that. It's just going to get awkward really, really fast. And this is who Jesus calls and brings together. And Jesus sends them. Craig Keener is a theologian. He wrote, Any of us who struggle with whether we are adequate to carry out God's purposes should recall that the first ambassadors that Jesus called were wholly inadequate. God uses those who recognize their own inadequacy. I won't make you throw up your hands. Maybe you'd want to like slightly so other people don't see you. How many of us feel inadequate to do the things that Jesus asks us to do? Do a slight one right there. There you go. Okay, a few people are like, I'm completely in that camp. Okay, good for you. Own it, own it, live into it. You know, here's the good thing about following Jesus. All of the best followers of Jesus know that we are completely and totally unworthy to even tie his shoes. Like we have nothing to recommend us to the things that Jesus has called us to. And yet he still sends us. That's the really good news, and maybe the scary news, too, depending on how you're looking at that. Look at verse 5. Jesus sent out these 12 with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. We don't have to understand why he would choose us, But when Jesus says go, we have to be willing to go. That's what you sign up for when you choose to follow Jesus. We have to go when he sends us. And Jesus sent his disciples, it says. This word sent, a really small word, but it has a lot of meaning. Here's what it means. To be a commissioned agent with delegated authority. So commission, if you think like military, commission is someone is is an order that somebody is given to go and to carry out and they're given the authority that they need to carry out this thing. And delegated authority means that you go not with your own power, but with the power of the one who sent you. So if we think in uh, kind of our political terms, when somebody is sent by the president, they're given his authority to go and do something. When they walk into the room, it doesn't matter what you think of that person. What matters is if you respect the authority of the president who has sent them. That's all that matters for them. And the same thing is true for us when we're sent. It doesn't matter if we're worthy or impressive. It just matters if Jesus is worthy. It matters who sent us. Jesus is what counts. And here's the good news. Again, you are being sent. Jesus does have a mission for you to carry out in our world. And as someone who is sent, you are granted the full authority and power through the Holy Spirit to go and do the things that Jesus did, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to go and do those Things in our world. But before they're told to do these things, look and see what comes before. If you have your Bible open, look and see what comes before Jesus says, here's all the cool things you get to do. He tells them what they're, where they're not supposed to go to and where they are supposed to go to. Don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to Samaria, go to the people of Israel. When we're following Jesus, it matters. If we know where it is actually sent to, it's important to know that. Sometimes, you know, we we just feel like we're fumbling around, touching walls, you know, blindfolded, unsure of where we're supposed to go. We'll clarify who it is that you are called to go to. He does it very, very simply right here. And in Acts 1, some broad strokes, instructions to his followers before he left for the. Uh, kind of final time before he returns again. And he's gathered everybody around. Thankfully, there's more than 12 at that point. And he, he gives them these instructions of what they're supposed to do before he returns. And this is what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I like how Jesus lays this out. And if you like graphs and like pictures on PowerPoint things, then this will fit the way that your brain works as well. Uh, Jerusalem is local. Judea is regional. Samaria is surprising. And to the ends of the earth is global. We, we can figure that one out, right? That's, that's kind of the way that he lays it out. That's the structure that he places for us here. And so the question for us, if we take it to our situation is, where are we as Vineyard Church of Hopkinton, as the people who are here, a part of this church, where are we sent to? What does this look like for us? So let me let me spell this out for us a little bit. Well, the center has to be Jesus, right? Any questions on that? Jesus has to be where we're rooted, where we're deeply connected. If we're not connected to Jesus, None of the rest of it matters because we're just going in our own power, and we all know we're not worthy enough to do it, right? So we have to be connected to Jesus. He is the one sending us. We're going in His power and authority. He is the center. And then next is our community. Where is our community, guys? Toss out a couple of 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 options for me. What's our community? Neighborhoods. I think I heard. Uh, give me some town names. Bellingham. There we go. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, keep going. Keep going. Anybody else? Okay, Milford. There we go. Yes, thank you. My town. There we go. Thanks, Beth. Uh, Hopkinton, Milford, all the towns surrounding us. This is our community. So the question for us, and this is the hardest one, I think, often, is how are we bringing the kingdom of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, into the community that we live within, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, to our friends. How are we bringing the kingdom of God? Because we're called to go to that spot. Are we living that out? Here's the the next area, regional. That for us is Massachusetts and New England, right? That's easy. Uh, And friends, we're called as a church to strengthen the church in New England, We've gotten uh, multiple prophetic words over the past few years from other leaders for our church saying that this is a primary calling for us. Prophetic words are words uh, that the Holy Spirit speaks to people uh, to tell somebody else what God is saying to them, uh, to really take it down all the way. So we've gotten prophetic words saying that we're supposed to be a pillar for the vineyard in New England as a church, that we're to be a sending church that sends out church plants and and other pastors and strengthens other pastors, that this is what we're called to do. And you may look around and be like, really, us, especially on a cold morning like today? But this is what Jesus has called us to. And so we want to live that out. How are we doing that? The next ring is Samaria, or I would call it surprising places are you open to be sent to surprising places, surprising people, people you wouldn't naturally maybe be, uh, you know, pointed towards? With, Are you willing to go to those sorts of people with the good news of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit? And the last drink for us is global. And, and Robin, Litt, what does that mean for our church? Come on, yell it out. I know you know. Spain and Dominican Republic, right? Those are the two countries that we know God's called us to. And our founding pastor Davis kind of spearheaded us going and doing the work of the kingdom in those countries with other vineyard pastors, bringing the kingdom there, doing evangelism, praying for people, strengthening the pastors, just praying for pastors and seeing what the Holy Spirit's up to. That's what we as a church are called to. And the beautiful thing about this is that it's not dependent on you doing everything and it's not dependent on me doing everything. But as a body, when we're all reaching the people in whatever circle that we're supposed to be in, then we start to see this happen, right? We need all of us to be going in the directions that Jesus is sending us in. And when that happens, the kingdom of God flourishes. Real quick, look at verses nine and 10. Here's what it says. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Uh, This seems a little extreme to me. Uh, So basically, Jesus is saying, go broken without any supplies. Have fun right? Like, no, that sounds terrible to me. Like, I, if I'm traveling somewhere, I'm taking a change of clothes. Like, I'm taking my wallet. It's guaranteed. Uh, so, I, you know, this is a little bit extreme. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, to the original hearers, that would, have, that would have brought up something in their memory that they would have remembered from the Old Testament, from the story of the Passover where the Israelites were freed from captivity in Egypt. It's almost word for word what God tells Moses to tell them, uh, tell the Israelites to do. He says, put on your cloak, tuck it into your belt, put on your shoes, and carry your staff, and then eat standing up, because I'm going to free you. So the final night before they're they're released, all the plagues have happened. The last plague is getting ready to happen, and they're doing this. And then God finally brings freedom. Pharaoh finally says, fine, get out of here, leave, go, and they are able to go. So Jesus is quoting this very well-remembered passage because they celebrate Passover every single year. So they heard this every single year, and he's saying, just the same way that those people were freed, you're going to be freed, and then you need to go. And go immediately when I tell you where it is that you're to go and what it is that you can do. And God will supply everything that you need. When you've been sent, you're going to be taken care of. And that's good news. God takes care of us. But how? Well, it says don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Friends, be prepared to be a thankful guest. I know that's hard you know, somebody gives you chocolate cake and you're like, oh no, no, we're happy about it, right? Sure, great, take care of me, do all the nice things for me, thank you, I love it, this is great. So be prepared to be a thankful guest when somebody takes care of you. But also, the other side of that is that in order for there to be thankful guests, there have to be gracious hosts. And I think that's what our call is, even more than the thankful guests most of the time, is to be gracious and generous host, to be people who are pouring out generously towards others. And I think that's a call for us as a church. And so I want to, we don't talk about money hardly ever, but let me just say it like this. Have you invited Jesus into your finances to see how he wants you to be generous? Have you asked him, how do you want me to give regularly so that the church can do what the church has been asked to do? Have you said to Jesus, this year, it's the beginning, what is it that you're asking of me? How can I be generous? Not just like letter of the law, you know, like minimal, but like generous. If you're generous, God's going to take care of you. You know, give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to ask for what it is that we need, not hoard so that we take care of ourselves. There's got to be a relationship between him and us in this process of relying on him for everything. And that includes sustainable generosity with all that we have. And I would encourage you to pray about that. Look at your finances and ask Jesus, am I being generous with what it is that I've been given? If he asks you to give, he will provide. And then at that point, then it's on me, right? Sarah and I, it's on us to be be asking, are we as a church being generous with what we've been given? I don't wanna go too far down this rabbit trail, but I can say yes, 100% we are. And in fact, we've taken some extra money, we've set it aside so that we can use this money for two things that we wanna be extra generous with. The first is loving on our community really well in whatever way that Jesus calls us to do that. And the second is through church planting. We want to be sending out healthy pastors into communities throughout Massachusetts and New England to plant churches. And we're going to be really intentional about that. So with that, I want to invite Nate to come on up. uh, And we're going to talk for a second. So grab that mic. Come on up. You know, Sarah and I really want to see Massachusetts changed by revival. We deeply, deeply want to see that happen. And we want to see churches planted. You know, the staff knows, some of the leadership team knows that we have uh, conversations about this. And I start going, yeah, I want to see a church in Wo- a vineyard church in Worcester and a couple in Boston. And then I want to go south, maybe to Attleboro. And then I want to go north, uh, you know, Lemonster area. And then how about Springfield needs one. And then we could go down to Providence because I want to see vineyard, healthy vineyard churches in all of those areas because I think that's what Jesus wants. He wants to see his kingdom growing and good things happening. And so through that, Nate and I, who have been friends for uh, a few years at this point, you can grab a seat, uh, we've been talking. And Nate is a pastor from New Haven, Connecticut, uh, that we got to know when we were church planning in Providence, I think, for the first time. And uh, Nate's been in a process of discerning what it looks like to be sent. So I thought it would be good for us to hear from him. And in this process uh, that he's been in, we've been having conversations with Sarah as well and uh, have really discerned that Nate's going to plant a church out of Vineyard Church of Hopkinton, which is really exciting, Exciting, right, guys? It's really awesome. Tell us about the discernment process.
1: Sure. And Let me make sure this is on.
0: Green. Green means go.
1: There we go. Green means go. Perfect. All right. Um, well, first of all, thank you all for having me here this morning. It's uh, it's great to be here with you all, um, and talking about some things that are uh, that are really important and can be really challenging when you start thinking about discerning being sent, being sent to a thing, being sent to a place, and a people. Um, and so I have had the uh, the really interesting experience of discerning being called out of some things, being called into some things, at a few different points of my life so far. Um, And some of the things that I've found in the process of leaving my last ministry position and being um, in the process of discerning where I'm being sent to and what that's all looking like, I think I've noticed that there are four things that are present in these periods of my life where I'm discerning being sent and being sent to a place. And so those four things are, these seem to all coincide with times where I'm going through a season of deeper interior work that God is doing in my life. Um, Another thing is I'm experiencing God and having encounters with God. Um, Another thing is that there are a group of trusted people around me who are praying and discerning with me. And then the last thing is that uh, I'm I'm in a season where I'm intentionally making space to be with God and to listen for his voice and to listen to how he's calling me, Uh, maybe in the ways that are expected and some of the ways that are not expected. And so the way that that's looked recently is I was a youth pastor at Elm City Vineyard Church in New Haven, Connecticut. And I love that. Um, I had, the, I had the, uh, the great experience of coming on staff to help start a youth ministry at that church. And I love youth ministry. I've talked to a lot of youth pastors who have left their youth pastor roles in the last couple of years. And a lot of their stories are they've, they've reached a point where they just couldn't do it anymore. They, really, they, had, they had lost like passion for working with teenagers, and I'm not going to take anything away from those stories, but that really wasn't my story. I think I still had a few years where I have lovingly served teens and done that really well, um, but I had, uh, I had one of these encounters with God where I went on a run, and I went down a run down by the beach in Connecticut where I live, um, and I made some intentional space, and so I got alone with God, and, and as I was praying, I felt like God had spoken. Um, these last five years at that point, um, in my, uh, this, was, this was the summer of 2020, so these last five years have been really good to you. Um, you've had great experience working with college students and high school students. This has been good to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you and lead you into something else. And so, uh, so that kicked off um, what has been a very long discernment process in figuring out what that something else is. Um, and so I, I took a year I, I continued to work as a youth pastor, transitioned out of that role, found somebody to replace replace me, um, they got them up to speed and ready to go, um, and then um, was in a process where I was ready to take another uh, another church job and I was in this this season where I was really thinking that I was going to take this one position. Um, Now, one of the things that I found in in discerning how I'm being sent or where I'm going or what I'm being called into, um, one of of the things that I've experienced is that I'll often have a sense of peace about that place that I'm going to, even if I have a ton of questions. And so in this part of my... I I really hadn't got to that place where I was experiencing peace yet, Um, but I was getting to a place where I was pretty sure I was going to take this one position. Um, And then, um, to make a very long story short, that one position went away. The job, the job opportunity went away. Um, and so then I was really confused about what was God doing because I thought this was the direction that I was going. Um, and what I found was God then led me in a, in a much different direction. Um, he gave me sort of a season out away from being in formal ministry position where he did some really, really uh, wonderful things in my life. Um, he has really refreshed me um, and given me new vision and new dreams for the things that I want to be a part of uh, going forward. Um, and to me, that really has been um, really in, invaluable. And so um, the process of being called or being sent um, is go- it looks very different and that's looked different than how it's looked for me in the past. Um, but uh, what I've found is even while there's a ton of questions um, when you're sort of finding the direction that you're going. Um, there's also a lot of peace, joy, and excitement as well.
0: That's good. Thanks for sharing that story with us, Nate. Um, so I'm just curious, what are some of the old things in your, uh, in your time that God's kind of brought up this past year plus?
1: Yeah, so I found that God has, uh, has called me to revisit a lot of the things that have stirred my heart over my time in ministry and uh some of what that's looked like is i felt god calling me to revisit old prophetic words that he's given me um and so i don't know if any of you are like this but i have like journals of things written down of words that have been shared with me over the years and so i uh, i've been listening to some of those old things um i've been reading a lot of my old journals and i found that that kind of uh That kind of brought me to a place of restirring a lot of the reasons why I went into ministry. In the so, um, I mean, initially I didn't really have a sense that I wanted to go into ministry at all. Um, I I got out of college. I was a graphic design major. I really had a sense that I wanted to become a creative director, work my way up, uh, work my my way up the ladder, and do that sort of like corporate life. And then uh, it didn't take very long. Uh, to, to get to a place where I felt God was calling me out of that place. And some of the things that really stirred my heart and led me to wanting to pursue a life in ministry, or at least in like vocational ministry, um, were that I worked at this ad agency. And so many of the people that I worked with, while I really liked them and got along with them, um, a lot of them just didn't know Jesus. And I saw the effects of that on their life. Um, even in some of the, uh, the, the workspaces that I've worked in, I just felt like the tangible sense of depression sometimes when I would walk into an office. And after a while, that really um, began to burden my heart. Um, and really, I wanted to um, be a person in ministry who could minister to those people in those spaces and reach people like that. And so... Um, what I found is in this time of revisiting old prophetic words and revisiting these things that once stirred my heart, I got in touch with what I'm, what I'm calling true north. A lot of these reasons why I went into ministry in the first place, and some of those things are like reaching those people that I used to work with. Also, um, just have this renewed sense of calling to see God move in my generation. That's something that's always been really um, on my heart, something I've been always really passionate about. And then also, uh, uh, I felt a renewed calling to this region, to the Northeast and to New England specifically. I'm from Connecticut. I'm a New Englander. I know Massachusetts folks often don't consider Connecticut part of New England. I get it. Um, But I consider myself a New Englander, um, and I really want to see God move here. And all of that has really made me, um, I think, recenter on the reasons why I wanted to serve Jesus in this way in the first place, and that's been really, really special.
0: That's really good. Uh, is there anything new that you felt like the Holy Spirit's really spoke to you
1: as you've been processing? Yeah, there have been a bunch of new things as well. Um, I mentioned before encounters with God during times of discernment and discerning being sent. And so over the summer, as I, as I began this process of, of really experiencing this refreshment from God, um, I had this profound encounter from God at a church I was, just, I was, uh, I was visiting one Sunday, um, and I heard this story of um, the person who was preaching who was in office at the time, and he, um, he asked to go and pray for this woman who, is, uh, who, who had this tumor that was wrapping around her neck, and it was restricting blood flow, and it was causing all of this pain. Um, and this guy goes. You know, he's... he's he's scared, he he hasn't really, he feels like he hasn't really had any success praying for healing for anything more than a headache, but he goes and he prays for this woman, and he takes this group with him, and they start praying for this woman, and they see the tumor shrink before their eyes, and so as he's he's telling this story, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's stirring my heart, and I actually feel like the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and I start to weep, um, which is always an awkward experience when you're weeping audibly around a bunch of other people. but um, I got to this place where I said, God, I don't want to leave this earth before I see things like that and be a part of seeing things like that, not just happening in some part of the world where, you know, I want those things to happen too, but want to see that happen here. And um, I think that stirring is also one of the things that has really connected me to thinking about, hey, what is the ministry I want to do look like? What is the church stuff that I want to do look like? Where is that going to be? And how can we bring that same sense of the kingdom coming um, to that place. Um, I think also God has been really deepening my heart to gather people to pray for these things to happen. Um, so I'm from, uh, I'm from Connecticut, and I've done ministry in New Haven, and there was this guy named Daniel Nash who was from New Haven, Connecticut, and during the second great awakening, he was this guy that would be sent ahead to where events would be, were to be happen a few days before just to gather people to start praying. Um, There's actually a street in New Haven named after him, which I didn't know for years. I just would always go by it and had no idea that Nash Street was named after this guy who is a prayer warrior. And so um, one of the things that I've been really focusing on um, has been gathering people to start praying for us to see those things in our time, in our day, and in our generation. Mm -hmm. So we're starting this initiative. It's still in its early stages called, uh, called Fire Starters. We're trying to plant prayer groups around the Northeast and that's uh, that's something that's fun that I've been working on, and seeing how it's really taking off in places like Rochester, which is actually one of the places where Daniel Nash was sent to, which is really interesting. And then I think um, one of the things that I've 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 come across is this this word that has continually come to me is that God has kept saying builder, and I always had no idea what that meant. Um, but I think what I've learned is that for what something that God had put inside me, um, and learning these things can be really helpful when you're discerning how you're being sent to something. Um, something that God had put inside me was I have a desire to build things. Um, I loved like building with Legos as a kid and somehow this might be connected to some deeper spiritual thing that's happening, but just having a longing to build something that's impactful for the kingdom. I don't necessarily know if it needs to be like the biggest thing, but I want to build something that really makes a difference for the kingdom of God. And so those are all things, all I think new things that I'm getting in touch with that God has been doing lately.
0: Yeah. Um, Last question for me. Uh, How has this process of being sent really deepened your trust in the goodness of Jesus?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, just a a nice quick little question for me to answer here. Um, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Oh, boy. So I would have to say, yes, God has deepened my trust uh, in him and his goodness um i had mentioned that I, I was planning on taking this one job and i thought that that's where i was going i thought that's where i was going to give the next 3 4 maybe more years of my life um and then the job went away and i had this very strange experience where, remember i was sitting on the couch just thinking like what am i going to do next like wh- god why why did this happen what is happening i had so many questions um and then randomly I got this call from this guy that used to come to this Bible study that I used to run on one of the college campuses in New Haven. Um, and he basically apologized to me for coming to Bible study, sometimes high or drunk. And it was like a really strange thing, just out of nowhere. Um, and, and it was like, but it turned out to be like an amazing call. And, and I just kind of like hung up and I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you're going to learn to trust me in a way that you haven't learned yet, mm-hmm. um, and, and, it, was, and it, was, it was, you know, it was sort of like one of these moments where, like, all right, I really don't have a lot of the answers, but I'm going to trust that you're going to, you're going to work this all out. Um, and uh, the next like s- six months since then have been uh, an interesting adventure to say the least. But what I've seen throughout that time is. Uh, I don't think I needed God to prove this to me, but God has proved to be incredibly faithful and good to me. Um, he's really blessed me financially. If You all know this, but often when you work in ministry, you don't make a ton of money. Um, <laughs> shocker. Shocker, big shocker, um, which is fine. You know, I knew what I was doing. Um, since that point, I've, uh, God has just provided me really good-paying jobs that I've taken. Which was really surprising um, and has just been, I've been really blessed in that way. Also, the relationships that God has brought into my life during this season have been really powerful and really, really precious, um, something that I really treasure. Um, And I'm I'm just so thankful for that. And I think God also gave me um, a space to be refreshed, like I said, but also to dream and to have my imagination expanded by Him. That was something that I don't think I needed or it was even thinking that I wanted. But that experience of having that time to really dream about what I want to do in the kingdom of God, what do I want to be a part of, in building church and seeing God move, um, has really been something that is really close to my heart and something that I wouldn't trade for anything. And I think also my hunger for God, just personally being with God, sp- making space to be with him, has just grown through this time. And so, um, like I mentioned before, oftentimes it's like you have a sense of peace, even though you have a bunch of questions. I still live in that space. I have a sense of peace about what God is doing or where God is leading me, but I still have a ton of questions that that I need to be answered. But it really shows me that the Holy Spirit has worked because normally with those questions, I wouldn't have that sense of peace. And so I live in that space and I can say with certainty that God has expanded my trust uh, in my hope in him and his goodness. That's
0: really good. Thanks, Nate. Thank you. Thanks for sharing with us. You can hang out for two minutes while I, I finish up here, but I, I want to highlight a couple of things, and then I want to mention something that, that Nate said. So When we're sent, Jesus sends us, and we go in his power and his authority, not in ours. We need to know who we are sent to, and Jesus will be specific in who he sends you to. When you're sent, be thankful. And when people are sent to you, be generous. And then what do we do when we arrive? And I loved what Nate said about hearing that pastor talk about that tumor that he prayed for. And he said, I don't want to live my life without seeing God do things like that through me. We need to have that kind of a desire to see the Holy Spirit move. And this is why, because Jesus tells us that this is part of it. Verse seven and eight, go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Our calling is to bring the good news of Jesus to anyone and everyone that we come in contact with. And it's to do it with an expectation that Jesus is gonna move in powerful ways. We don't expect it because we're great or because we have power. We expect it because he's great and because he has power. We're doing it through him. All of it is through him. Esau Macaulay is a theologian. He said, sometimes God calls us to do things that are so clearly only possible through his consistent, miraculous intervention, to remind us that everything we do is only possible because of his consistent, gracious presence in our lives. He's calling you to do things that you can't do on your own, that are miraculous, that are beyond you, but he's. His presence is with you. That's our root. That's where we're grounded. That's where we're moving out of. We want to be resilient so that when things come, They may blow, but we stay deeply rooted to Jesus, and we want to keep crying out for Jesus to move in the places that he has called us to go and to be sent to. Amen? So, worship team, come on up. I want to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come and move, and then we're going to do ministry after a couple of songs and invite the Holy Spirit to come a little bit more. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to come right now. God, I thank you for those of us that you're stirring something up in. I know that there's some of us who, through what Nate's been saying, that it's kind of reigniting, like he had things that were reignited in him, that you're reigniting things in us, helping us to recenter on the things that you've called us to. And I just pray for you to breathe on that. To, to pour into that right now, Jesus. God, I pray for those that are online, that things that have been said have really grabbed a hold of their heart and that you're doing something powerful and speaking to them about how you're sending them. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will come and speak clearly to their hearts and their homes, wherever it is that they're at. God, I thank you that you are not a God who just goes and does everything. And you're also not a God who just starts the the alarm clock and then walks away. But you're an ever-working, always-moving, ever-creating, our lives God. Who is working, molding, renewing us in the exact ways that we need right when we need it. And I pray for that to be true right here and right now in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, come and move. In Jesus' name, amen.